So earlier today, I I was reading an email that I usually get from comicbook.com. I usually get like one a day, but one of the little tidbits that it um, contained was that Ronda Rousey wants to play uh, Miss Marvel. But somebody else had mentioned that she would also be a good Wonder Woman, where I, at that point, I was like, no, I don't really see it. I don't but see her as Wonder Woman. I, I could see her as Miss Marvel, though. I mean, no, you know who I think she would be better as is. Um, who would she be better as? Because she's not. I mean, she'd be okay as Miss Marvel, I suppose. But I want to say there'd be someone. There'd be some characters that she'd be. What about She-Hulk? No. No. She-Hulk has to be funny. It has to be kind of like... Like, She-Hulk would be a hard one to pin down just because she... You would want... For She-Hulk, you'd basically want someone with... um, What's her name? From 30 Rock? Like Tina Fey? Yeah. You'd want someone like Tina Fey, but with a but with a athletic... Build? Build. Yeah. That would be She-Hulk. Ah, I got it. Ronda Rousey could be Lady Thor. Yeah. Yeah. She could do it. That would actually work really well. She has that, like, tough-looking, Asgardian, mm-hmm. I'm, like, stronger-than-everybody, warrior-type look. Yeah, Ronda Rousey is very... She's determined. Yeah, has a determined look about her. You know who she would also be a good ass? Hmm. Angela. Now that Angela's been brought into the Marvel Universe... Angela, Angela. She was originally in the Spawn comics. Oh, okay. Yeah. But now she's been now she's like Thor's long lost sister. Yeah, she I would be it. a good Angela, huh? Because yeah. Angela is similar has that very sort of almost harsh determination. Yeah, that's not something that you just pick up. Like Ronda Rousey kind of has that instilled in her, which mm-hmm. would, which would work really well for a character. She doesn't have to like work too hard at it. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. there's always that thing where there's a- there's athletes that become actors. The thing like, about Ronda Rousey is what makes her such a spitfire. What makes her so stand out? And she doesn't really have temperance. Hmm. To be Ms. Marvel, Ms. Marvel has to have some temperance. I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and so that's sort of. It's like, she'd be a good fit as far as ability, but as far as, like, acting, you know who I would seriously die and thank the heavens if this happened? But if someone like Kate Winslet became Ms. Marvel, (laughs) I even would actually, she's really short, but even someone like Reese Witherspoon, Someone that just kind of has that. Yeah, I could see Reese Witherspoon. I could see it. Yeah. Yeah. Kate no, Winslet's a little bit of a stretch, it. but she she would also knock it out of the park. She's Kate freaking Winslet. That's true. I think it's always interesting how we don't typically think of a person as the character until we actually see it happening. Mm-hmm. And we have to wait to see it actually happen before we make that judgment, like a full judgment. Like, we can sit on the fence about it up to a certain point, but it's until they're on the screen that we're like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, they, they are that character, that's who they are, and then, and then we tag them that way. 
you know, like we see Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, he'll always and pretty much forever be Wolverine. We don't see him as anybody else. What's funny is that when, um, what's his name was cast as Captain America, I had already seen him in a really good movie called Sunshine, which is, you know, like in the future, the sun is dying, so these crew members are on this ship um, with a huge atomic payload to deliver it to the sun to kind of like reignite it. But it's done a little more like hard science style. So it's not like faster than light speed. They have to travel there the slow way. Well, then the second spaceship that's been set for this, the first one kind of like disappeared. And um, basically it's just sort of problems that arise. Mm -hmm. The one downside about it is almost like out of nowhere in the third act, all of a sudden like... It almost, like, in the third act, kind of turns into a slasher movie, sort of. Really? Yeah, because they stop by... They discover the first ship. And then they decide, well, let's see if we can get the payload from that. And then that goes tits up. And, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and then they don't realize they have a stowaway until it's too late. But, but, I'm, but if you know that twist is coming, it feels less jarring when you watch the movie. Whereas if you just watch the movie not suspecting that it's going to go that direction, you're just like, what the crap? Well, I guess so it's good in that way. Yeah, so somebody telling me that that this is what happened, you know, that all of a sudden, you know, this crazed crew member from the other ship starts, like, attacking them in the third act of the movie. When I got to that point, I, I was like, oh, okay. I still like this movie. But anyway, he he was in this movie. Um, Chris Evans. Chris Evans. And he, instead of being like the joking one, like he was like the voice of reason. He was the one that was like, no, this is a stupid idea to go to the other thing. We have our mission. We should go do that. And sure enough, when it goes bad, because the, the main character is played by uh, Killian Murphy, Scarecrow. Oh, really? So, you know, there's always a role association. So it's basically, you know, Captain America really doesn't like Scarecrow. Oh, of course. Of, of course. Right. Yeah. I and, really and like of course, Moira McTaggart, on the other hand, does like... like. Uh, Is that the Rose... Rose Byrne? Byrne, yeah. Moira McTaggart, on the other hand, does does like Scarecrow. And let's see, I'm trying to think of other actors in there. Well, Lucy Liu is all... Not, not Lucy Liu. Michelle Yeoh is already a superhero, but she's in that movie, too. Huh. Sounds like a pretty good movie. Although I still have to say, the other superhero movie that I that I saw with Chris Evans in, um, he wasn't as like big a force. I saw him in the no, I saw him in Loser in the Losers. Mm. Did you ever see that? Mm. It had uh, I think it's Jeffrey Dean Morgan mm. in it. Uh, he's kind of like the main guy. It's almost like an A team, okay. but they're 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 different. They call themselves the Losers. So it's just a bunch of like mercs, and uh, gotcha. they get together for jobs or whatever. So it's and like Suicide, suicide Squad, sort of. Kind of, yeah. But the funny thing is that Chris Evans doesn't play like a big shoot 'em up role. He's like the computer tech guy. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's he's funny. got a lot of people. He actually has a lot of range. People don't give him credit for it, but he does. Like he's also. Um, uh, did you ever see that rom-com with him in it? What's your number? No. It was pretty good. There's a... Snow... 
Train Snow. Oh, Snowpiercer. That's I never saw it. Was it good? That yeah. Like, is it like a legit decent movie? It's a legit good movie, and he does a legit good job. Because that's based off of a comic book, right? Uh, yeah, it was based off a French comic book. Huh. Yeah, I'd I'd love to. French. Yeah, French. They came up with some crazy comic books. Like, did you ever read any of the heavy metal? No. This was a collected series, like starting from back in the seventies. Sadly, now it's more like well known for, for like. Fantasy, sci-fi, and <laughs> like I mean, so you said that with like a French accent, like yeah, yeah, that was like my French honest trailer voice, Bleh. but it's like, <laughs> but you know, but back in the day, it was a lot more kind of you had some good, some good cutting edge stories, and that and and uh, Mobius, who's such an influential artist, may he rest in peace, uh, was... This has been recording me the entire time, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. Mobius, who's such an influential artist, like, he's the one that designed all the stuff in Matrix. Oh, really? Yeah, because, like, the Wachowski brothers... Yeah, yeah, they you know, directed it, but... Yeah, Wachowski brothers, they came up with the storyline and everything like that, and they kind of, like, sent to him... They're like, alright, so this is sort of some of the stuff that we had in mind, you know, and... Because he's this famous artist who did work back in the heavy metal magazine, the magazine Heavy Metal, well, which in French like, was referred to. In French, it's uh, he- uh, Metal Herland. Huh. But um, anyway, so they send their send it to him, and when he designs it and sends it back to them, they're just like, um, "This isn't what we have in mind. This is scarier." <laughs> and they're just like, we like this. Let's do that. Yeah, and so it's like he's extremely influential, and there there were a number of artists and writers from that that like had some good classic sci-fi stories. And heavy metal even got turned into like an animated movie in like the eighties, which I suppose has its charms, but it's pretty cheesy and bad. <laughs> we're gonna have to do like another podcast on just like animated stuff like the best of all the animated yeah, stuff this is what I mean like it's it's sort of like because the thing is I, don't get me wrong I love superheroes but I've also kind of like I've been so into superheroes for the last few years that on some level I'm almost I'm a little sick of superheroes so I almost I, I just worry that I might burn out a little bit like if we're just oh, dude, doing yeah. nothing but talking about superheroes so I, I think we I think we should definitely talk about some uh, some great animated stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I used to watch a lot of Adult Swim, and I and I loved watching some of the 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 interesting stuff they had to put out. I I admit I I don't know why I feel embarrassed to say it, but I used to watch like Inuyasha. I watched um, Cowboy Bebop, which yeah. I thought was really cool. Dude, Cowboy Outlaw Bebop's Star. classic. Oh, it's so good. Uh, yeah. I love the score. I love the writing. I yeah. thought the stories were interesting. It was a fun, yeah, fun story to tell. But yeah, we should definitely get into yeah. that. But, and uh, and yeah. uh, but then also um, too, like I'm a huge fan of the Alien comics and stuff that Dark Horse has done too. Hmm, never read any of that. Let's see, see the Alien versus Predator movie would have been so much better if they just basically took the comic and translated it into a movie. Because you know, in the Alien versus Predator movie, they had it where it's like. It's like, oh, there's a pyramid in Antarctica and blah, 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 and all this crap. Whereas in the comic, how it was is, you know, the company discovers this new planet, starts 
doing their thing where they're, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like they do in Aliens, where they're building better worlds and everything. But it turns out that the Predators kind of use this planet as like a um, a wildlife preserve, but basically... Oh, a farm. Yeah, or, they, uh, or, they, yeah. yeah, they drop the aliens onto this planet and mm-hmm. hunt them. Oh, wow. And that sounds so, awesome. Yeah, and so now, like, usually it's pretty controlled. They drop that amount of aliens and everything, but then they drop these aliens in the midst of a huge population of people. Yeah. Wow. The shit hits the fan. That sounds awesome. It's so great. And the main character, too. Her name's Machiko. You know, it's like... I can't remember the name of the character in the Alien vs. Predator movie, and she was she was a pretty cool character, and she was still... You know, she was still pretty good, but she, a lot of her stuff happened kind of by luck. Like, she kind of lucked out mm-hmm. to be the hero in the story. Whereas in the comics, Machiko was much more skilled. And so by the end, when she earned... You know, the, at the end of the Alien vs. Predator movie, where the Predator, like, has respect for her and then, like, takes that and sort of burns a mark up, that's straight from the comic. Huh, I didn't know that. And Machiko is such a cool character that they even, like, did a few more stories, and she was the only human to be um, accepted by the Predators as, like, one of their own. Huh. How about that? And so, the yeah, the Alien vs. Predator comics are awesome. Yeah, so, I've never read any of that. Yeah, and, and uh, they, they do have these at uh, the Lehigh Dragon's Keep, so you could pick them up. Like, oh, the wow, Alien vs. Predator om- omnibus. But, uh... And then after that, um, Chris. So after that first sort of mini series, I think they did some short stories here and there. But the next big mini series that they did was like a big. I'm trying to remember how many issues. It was like a twelve issue mini series written by Chris Claremont. That name does not ring a bell for me. It should I know because it should. Um, all of your favorite X Men were created by Chris Claremont. Huh. He's the one that brought in Storm, Wolverine, Colossus. He's the one that made the X-Men what they are today. Because right. when they first created the X-Men, well, Stanley and them, you know, they didn't really kind of know what to do with the characters. They Stanley, was, Jack Kirby. Yeah. I, I don't remember if it was Jack Kirby that was the art, artist on on uh, the X-Men very much or not. But in any case, the creative team, like, they no one can figure out what to do with it. So when they handed it to Chris Claremont, he basically... Reinvented it. He's the one. He came up with the plot line to have the original X Men team be kidnapped, or you know, just captured, captured. And so now, Professor X has to go around and gather up new mutants. It's funny how a lot of the the comics that we know today are they're not original. Like they don't span or spawn from the original content that was created. Yeah. Like, like that they're based on, you know, yeah. and, and it's funny that we all think of them as that way, but they're not. Yeah. You know, even Superman, how he used to be like in the beginning is not really the Superman that we know today or he, the Batman to, even. Yeah. Yeah. Superman used to not be able to fly. Batman would use a gun and would kill a lot, which is funny because his father in flashpoint uses guns frequently and has no problem killing. Yeah. yeah. Tend, I just think it's a fun well, kind of parallel. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it was definitely a throwback to what he was. But anyway, like getting back to, so Chris Claremont he wrote, like, from the 70s through the 80s, he was the writer for X-Men. So, like, all the... He wrote the Phoenix Saga. He, like, all of the iconic stories that they still plumb today. You know, he, he came up with... Like, he came... He made Nightcrawler, and 
And like I said, Nightcrawler, Storm, Colossus. Wolverine was brought in from another one, but they still kind of... You know, it's like they... like Everything that makes the X-Men what they are now, basically Chris Claremont was their real daddy, you know? And uh, he created Mystique. He created, like... Seriously. And so he was the one who wrote the follow-up miniseries for Alien vs. Predator. It's aged kind of weirdly. Like, you know how, like, you watch stuff in the 50s where it's like, this is what the future's going to be like. And now when you actually reach that point, you're like... This is not what the future's like. This is not what the future's (laughs) like. His version of the future kind of feels like that. It's like, "Mm, that's not what the future feels like. But it still is a really good story because it's more cerebral. Where it follows this woman who keeps having dreams of being chased, like, by a predator. And, uh, And so... But it seems like those dreams are coming true. So it's like, you know, the concept of just... Aliens here, Predator here, fight. Chris Claremont's like, no, I could do something more with that. And so he does. Like, he he comes up with something much, just much better. It's so good. Well, I think we'll have to do a different podcast where we can actually, we'll have Gabe, myself, and we'll have Scott here. We'll all uh, give that a good read and then give our input on that for sure. totally. But welcome nerds to the sons of comics podcast i'm here with scott hill say hi scott hello and welcome to all of you uh today we just uh had a great long intro we just wanted to i guess just talk about a few things on our minds you know our minds build up with comic book nonsense throughout the week and we just decided we'd uh we'd uncork the uh the action for a second. Anyway, getting on to our main event, we just want to uh, kind of talk about the recent release of Fantastic Four in theaters. And yes, we all get it. Fantastic Four, by all accounts and reviews, was not what it should be. But we're not gonna we're not gonna linger too much on the fact that it was horrible. We would just like to give our thoughts pretty much on what we would do better, how we would write a better story what we would do to make Fantastic Four watchable, what it's lacking, what it needs. And I guess we could talk about a few things that we we did and didn't like about it, but um, let's just get right into it. Um, First off, I do have to say the casting was really good. I think the casting was impeccable. Um, Reed Richards with Miles Teller I thought was a good choice. I mean, for a younger generation and to kind of uh, liven up the story having younger characters or younger actors play these characters was a was a well thought out idea. Yeah, I um I'm not gonna comment too much on apparently in real life Miles Teller is something of a douche apparently, but <laughs> I, I felt when it came to playing the character of Reed Richards, he did the unthinkable, which was he actually made me like Reed Richards. I cannot ex- I, I cannot articulate strongly enough how much I usually dislike that bowl of oatmeal of a human being. And I'm not talking about the oatmeal that has like raisins or brown sugar or anything. I'm talking about dry, bland oatmeal of a human being. Oh, you're not thinking of oatmeal, man. You're thinking about gruel. That's what you're thinking of. Uh, no, no, or, or, or just cornflakes. Like, I mean... Maybe grits. Grits. Yeah. No, grits. See... The thing is, like, grits. You, you don't know if you like it sometimes, but it's good for you. Ah, that's it's just a character builder. My parents used to tell me that oatmeal would build character, and I believed them, and, well, they were wrong, but... Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I had to agree with you on that. Reed Richards is generally, like, when I read the comics and I f- see him in it, he's kind of stale. Yeah. But I actually liked the character that Miles Teller 
portrayed, and I thought the writing of him was, was he, pretty good. He was he was uh, he was what I like to call adorkable, and I like to call it that because I stole it from other people who use that word, so I can't take credit for that word. But <laughs> it's a good word, uh, yeah. But he he was you know it's like his his love of science was like so strong that it was kind of endearing that he was a bland human being because like oh but you're so into science that you're just like not a well-rounded human being at all and i i i think that's what made me like him as a character i didn't like the fact that they didn't give much articulation to his relationship with sue like in the romance i mean it was it was kind of there but it really wasn't well i think that's a general problem of the movie actually like cuz i think um oh i thought the other ones had too much but I at least would have liked a little more from this. Uh, see, I, I don't know. Like, it still felt like... I felt like the relationship between Reed and Ben Grimm was pretty well fleshed out. I really liked that. Yeah. I liked, I, I liked that a lot, in fact. That's I think one that of my one favorite of, relationships in the whole movie. Yeah, like, I, I, I liked it because that was the first time that I finally got it. I finally got why these two are friends. You know, they're just kind of... They both just sort of cover each other's blind side in a way by just being so different from each other. It's true. They kind of make up for each other in a way. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and Ben just feels protective of this guy who he knows is smart enough to help him get out of the crappy family situation he's going to forever be stuck in. And it's just like. You know, they articulated that even more when um, Reed is talking to Sue and he's like, I wish I was adopted. And yeah. he says, you know, I just, my family never understands me. Yeah. They don't get me, and I wish I was with a family that yeah. did. Yeah. But I think I think a downside, I I loved Kate Mara as Sue Storm. She was Also, good. she, you know, it's like, I mean, I'm not one of those people that likes to bash on Jessica Alba, because even Jessica Alba can be good depending on the role and, the, and everything like that, but she was not a good fit for Sue Storm. Even though I do think she tried her best, she... Just well, she was more of an excuse to get her naked and yeah, use her as I can. Yeah, and and I'm sorry, like what well, you can't Jessica Alba just isn't believable as as a scientist. No, not at all. And and Kate Mara totally was like because she. The general perception we have of scientists are that they're 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 more quiet and reserved because people don't understand what they're talking about most of the time, so they kind of keep to themselves. And I think that's. The kind of the vibe they're yeah. trying to put out. Well, I, yeah, and I think there's something too about like you know someone who's scientific. There's kind of they kind of have a bearing about them where yeah, it's they like the, they bear themselves in a way where you're just sort of like, yeah, yeah, you look at the world the way a scientist does, and Jessica Alba just doesn't. Mm, she felt like more the girl that was going to shop at Dolce and Gabbana rather yeah. than you know reading a science book. Yeah, yeah, which uh, yeah, yeah, and and so it. Jessica Alba playing Sue Storm was kind of like a only a slightly milder version of Denise Richards playing a nuclear scientist in <laughs> The World Is Not Enough. It's just sort of like, I'm sorry, I don't buy that. I can't that. take you seriously. I cannot take you But Kate Mara, on the other hand, totally could take her seriously. And I totally loved her in the role. And Definitely uh, feeling her, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, I had... A very, very bad pun when he said definitely feeling her, because oh. I, al- I also thought I she was apologize. attractive. This is a very kid-friendly podcast. Yeah, I've never seen anything and, to jeopardize that. And, and sometimes I'm it. a shallow man, and I, I Kate Mara looked nice in, this one, in, the, in the suit. Um, anyway, my apologies for that grievous example of... Anyway, but 
an issue that I thought was kind of that bothered me slightly about the Storm family is that you know a big part of Fantastic Four is the relationship between each of the members. And I felt like in this movie, it seemed more like Sue Storm, you could tell she had a strong relationship with her father. And you could, and you got a lot of the sense of what the relationship between um, Johnny Storm and Franklin Storm was too. But, you, and, so, and so you got Franklin Storm's relationship with each of his children, but I felt like there wasn't enough of his children's relationship with each other. Yeah, I did feel like that was quite a bit lacking. And I didn't quite get enough information about Johnny to make me feel like he connected well with the character from the comics, mostly because I felt like Johnny Storm, uh, he he just didn't feel the same way. Like, when I read, it, when I read Johnny Storm, Johnny Storm is really... He's he's super cocky and he's a he's kind of a player himself and I just didn't I don't know he, well, I didn't I don't, feel it. As I don't much. know. I would disagree because I think for me I think the strongest character quality for Johnny is that he's brash. Like he's sort of oh he's reckless. Yeah, he's reckless. He's reckless, and it's like and and sometimes and there's different ways too. Uh, anyway, so like I was saying, I just I think he's brash. That's kind of his biggest thing and. Brash, there's different ways you can play that. It's like you can play it as cocky and womanizing and that sort of thing. And in this movie, it said he was, I mean, it's not to say he wasn't, he couldn't have also been womanizing and everything <laughs> yeah. like that. And the movie didn't give him opportunity to be, but instead well, the movie just showed him as just being reckless. And That's true. And so he still, he still felt like Johnny Storm to me. But I did like, I did like Michael B. Jordan playing Johnny Storm, and I still think it's funny that both Miles Teller and Michael B. Jordan are doing this movie together when they also recently did that awkward moment um, with uh, Zac Efron, and I thought that was funny that they're just... It's just funny how characters that end up in movies together also can end up in other movies together in similar roles, almost. And then, yeah, then you end up getting, like, this funny role association. Well, it's the same thing in The in the Flash. If any of you have watched The Flash, you have um, Wentworth Miller and uh, Dominic Purcell, who are both villains yeah, in yeah, The Flash. Yeah, but they were in prison. And they were in prison <laughs> together, and they played brothers, and they are like... Just continuing. From, from what I understand, I think Wentworth Miller kind of insisted that Dominic Purcell was brought on. If that's true, I would give him a high five because yeah. I just think that's really cool of him um, yeah. to do. And it's still funny because Wentworth Miller in Prison Break was like the mastermind thinker, <laughs> and that didn't change at all yeah. over to the flash. And Dominic still, Purcell was the bruiser. He was the bruiser, yeah. yeah. No, he was it, the muscle. It makes me happy. It makes me happy because I like... I like both of them on that movie. It makes me happy because it helps me forget that Dominic Purcell was a terrible Dracula. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Blade Trinity. You sucky movie, you. Yeah, yeah, he did not succeed there. But, but I think that was casting more than it. I think he gave it his all, but it was just... Well, it's fine. You know, he makes up for it in, in Prison Break and in The Flash. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's he's awesome. And I, I really love Dominic Purcell and Wentworth Miller. They're just fantastic actors yeah. in their own rights, but... Uh, yeah, I liked Michael B. Jordan, and um, as for Ben Grimm, I, I liked him as a character. I thought his relationship to Reed was great, and I even liked uh, the CG instead of the uh, instead of the live or the the suit. Him wearing the suit, I liked 
I liked the CG, actually. I'm sensing a butt in there somewhere. Yeah, there is some butt there, because the the suit gives um, a certain realism that a, that a motion capture can't really do, and this movie felt a little low-budget in a way, so it really couldn't give you the perfect CG that you're, that you're probably looking for. Because, like, I just watched Man of Steel the other day, and I watched, like, some of the special features, and I had no idea that Zod's armor in the beginning, that's all CG. That's all motion capture. Hmm. And I was under the impression that was all real. And I was like, if you can do that with motion capture, then it should have felt even more real with the CG they did for Thing. And I just was kind of like, you could have done better. You could have done better, but it was still great. It didn't bother me, but, I mean, I'm, I will admit that bad CG tends... For some reason, I tend to give it a pass if I'm st- if I'm still like invested in the movie. Maybe it's just a Fox thing. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But I also think. I mean, I guess. Um, oh, I can't believe I'm just. I'm blanking out on the guy who played Ben Grimm. I always want to call him Simon. Oh, it's Jamie Jamie Bell. Yeah, yeah, Jamie Bell. Um, I guess, like, I guess a Jamie Bell, like. Uh, doing the voice work for it and everything, and motion capture did a good job, but it, he still felt a little off to me. Being being Ben Grimm, be he's still, pre- the, he's still the runt of the litter. Yeah, like he's right? still like like he, he was, at least Michael Chiklis was kind of big. Yeah, like it's sort know? of if uh, whereas you know whereas like the thing felt like. Uh, an extension of Michael Chiklis, it feels like an inversion of... Yeah, that's true, of yeah. Jamie Bell. I mean, maybe there was a scene where... I mean, I remember the trailer, there was a scene of uh, Jamie Bell playing baseball that wasn't anywhere in the movie. Right? I want to ha- mention that. Uh, the fact that the trailer had, like, a bunch of bits that weren't included in the movie just really sends me over the edge. It's because... For one, I saw that that clip you just mentioned where he was like playing baseball and he hits the baseball into his the sign of his family's business. Mm-hmm. Two, there was a scene where the thing is like inside a inside like a airship or a yeah C one thirty and he drops. drops yeah and then he also drops right into like a tank or like a vehicle or something and crashes into the ground. Yeah. It's like I don't get where that all came from, and if if, if it's missing. Why they didn't include it? It 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 couldn't hurt the movie to yeah. bring that stuff in. It could have only made it better. Yeah, and apparently, like there was three different action sequences that were cut from the script before they even filmed them. That's ridiculous. Yeah, like I'd be interested. That's the thing. This this movie. There's so many what ifs when you just look at the final product of this movie of just like what could have been. That no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, good catch there. You get a medal, I guess. I, I, I want a cookie instead. I don't want no medal. Well, I ate them. I'm sorry. They were delicious. Well, you Maybe did, next time. I did tell you to eat them. That's true. That's right. Um, <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, like, ultimately, though, I thought the casting was good, and, and um, I, I liked this iteration of the Fantastic Four. It did feel kind of weird at the end, though, where... Uh, you know they're kind of joking with each other, and you've got Johnny Storm giving oh. uh, the thing. You know he's get the Human Torch is giving the thing crap when it's like, how much of you two even like interacted with each other? You know what I mean? Like how? Like they barely even had any any interaction. So it's 
just weird. Um, but I mean, overall, though, as a team, I I liked them. I found them a lot more likable uh, in total than I did the previous version. And that's I guess I guess that's one of the big things. You hear all these people trying to make this movie out to be like the worst thing since Batman and Robin, and I <laughs> think that's a huge, huge misrepresentation. This this movie is flawed, but it's not... And I also, I also have to take issue with all the people who are like, that thought the first half was boring. I don't think it was boring at all. I liked it. It did lack a lot of action. Um, I mean... So what? It, but it, I mean, I'm not saying that was an awful thing, but it it, it definitely captured a story. It, it it gave you a good story, and I like I like that about the first hour or so. However, that story took a huge um, stop or a break when, like, after they received their powers, I just felt like the movie came to a, a complete grinding halt, and it, then it, and then they it like, fumbled, and then they just. They basically went in and they clipped everything else that could have made the movie better out of it somehow. I yeah. don't know how they did it, but they it felt like there's an hour or a half hour of just things that would have made the movie better missing. Yeah, if it, even a half an hour is like a it's wealth a of content that, yeah, would have... There's fight scenes missing. There's there's character development missing. Yeah, like, I mean, in, in the preview, there's uh, apparently uh, you had Miss... Um, which they never called Reed Richards Mr. Fantastic, no, did they? No, they didn't. But, um, they ne- you know, where Reed Richards uh, talks directly with Dr. Doom, which... Right, while well, he's, uh, he's like, laying on the stretcher or the inside the compound. Yeah, which, that is one thing I will take issue with this movie. And if you don't want me to rant, feel free to stop me, but In that was not Dr. Doom. Not even close. That... Was not Doctor Doom. That um, <clears throat> that just. I wish I wish I could speak in all caps like Doctor Doom, just so I can iterate how much that was not Doctor Doom. That, uh, and that's something that's frustrating. Is that the movie, like none of the movies have gotten Doctor Doom right. It like he's he's a very unique character in that he's. He's very Shakespearean. Like, I mean, you know how Loki and Thor, like, have that very Shakespearean streak in them, which is why it was appropriate for Kenneth Branagh to do them? Yeah. Dr. Doom is the only other villain I can think of that has that same high sense of just... Decorum. Decorum, yeah. That's a good... That's exactly... He has a high sense of decorum, and he just lives by it. And it's... It make it gives him a unique dimension because it's sort of like I, I can't think of many. He's other, aristocratic. He is. He's an aristocratic supervillain. And if you look at his and, history and his origins, he he was a very powerful man in his country. Which yeah. I mean, the country was called Latveria for those who aren't familiar with Doctor Doom, and obviously his origin has been messed around with quite a bit. But well, um, I mean, he was still from Latveria. That's in true. The movie. They did say that. They did say that. Although. But, I mean, you couldn't tell the difference between him and any other American, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Dr. Doom has a very aristocratic sense of decorum, and he's very... He's lofty. Yeah. Uh, he's lofty he's, in his word, his speech. 
and the, the way he he's, acts. He's a nobleman. He's he, a nobleman. Yes. Yeah. He he's he's sort of he's kind of he's very much that old world uh, sense of of I was bred and born into this role. It's like an and 18th I have, century monarch. Yeah. Seriously, he he legitimately is. And one of the interesting things about him in the comics too is that he's one of the people that also explicitly tries to marry magic with technology and um so like he 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 was a sorcerer who then tried to use technology to augment his sorcery skills and vice versa and it's like that makes him really unique because usually in most comics someone's magical or someone is technological but you never have someone that's both and that's Doctor Doom. And I have to give credit to the older movies because I actually really liked that Doctor Doom. I know a lot of people you mean, probably don't like him. Like you you mean the, the ones from the um, Michael Chiklis? Uh, yes. You liked that Doctor Doom? I actually did. I thought he was he was pretty good. Um, Steven? At least, Steven? At least he stuck to the look and some of the characteristics. Fair enough. He stuck to the look. But other than that, I might have to slap you for comedic effect. Well, and he did one of the <laughs> things you just mentioned, though. Uh, if, you, if you've ever watched the, the Rise of the Silver Surfer, which you don't have to watch, not, not missing anything um, by not watching it, but he did try and marry his, uh, his technology plus magic, which was the Silver Surfer's board with... With his tech, sort of. So in he, that movie, though, he, it, it almost kind of seemed like Silver Surfer's tech was just was like um, Silver Surfer's tech was treated almost like not magic, but just a higher science that we didn't understand. Either way, though, I mean, there were some things that those movies did right, but most of it was too corny and too cheesy yeah. and wasn't in the right place. Yeah. No. The funny thing is, is out of all the different adaptations of Fantastic Four, the one that got doomed the best was the old Roger Corman movie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that that <laughs> was doomed. It feels so weird. I can't I can't watch that thing. I it, can't it, do it's it. terrible. It's terrible bad. It. And it's not it's I didn't now I said that version is probably the closest to Doctor Doom. I didn't say it was necessarily the best. But it's like trying to watch that movie makes me want to put a you know an electric yeah. drill to my head. Yeah, it's like it's it's awful. But um Regardless, yeah. Um, anyone who tries to say that this latest Fantastic movie is worse than that one is drinking is drinking into the Kool Aid. If you understand that figure of speech, it's <laughs> just that's bullcrap. This movie is not worse than that one. This movie might be more disappointing than that one, but that's different. For anybody who is not acquainted or initiated with Fantastic Four, this movie might actually be okay. It actually makes out to be a, a, a pretty fun sci-fi movie if you're just looking for something to watch that's got a got some neat visual effects yeah. and something rather there. But with a slightly weird, suddenly abrupt uh, third act. Yeah, it, it it doesn't really follow right because after they get their powers, you're just like they they do that whole year later thing, and I was just totally thrown off by that. I was like, what? I, I was thrown off by it, but I felt like, okay, maybe the movie can still recover from this. But well, then, yeah, I, I had that same feeling, but it didn't. It, it didn't. didn't. It as didn't. soon as Doctor Doom came back from the other dimension. So first, yeah, first they, they, they do the whole year later thing, and I was like, okay, guys, you're, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Let's see, if you can, let's see if you can turn it around. And then they didn't. And then they decided to shoot themselves in the head. They just killed themselves. They just, yeah. they just decided to take a U-turn and, you know... 
drive straight down the mountain instead of around the bend, you know? Yeah, like they yeah. just They just did not pull it together. There yeah. was just so much missing. I, I, I still... I still thought the movie was okay. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I... I Disappointed, I, I think, I is was, the best way to put it. I felt... I felt empty, like, after I watched it for some reason. I was like, why do I feel like I'm hungry? Like... <laughs> There was some part of me that was like, when, I, when I'm watching the movie, I'm getting filled up. It's like someone what? is pouring me like a drink. And yeah. then I felt like somebody just decided to stop, but the movie played on. And I was like, okay, there's something missing here. Which, that reminds me, though, it's like with a lot of people that I have talked with, and this is the silver lining for this movie, is that a lot there are a number of people, I mean, the vast majority are just like, worst movie ever, and slamming their keyboards and... <laughs> Those people are really freaking entitled. I'm sorry. It's like... Punching their fists through their... their yeah, it's, it's like, I'm sorry. The world doesn't owe you a good Fantastic Four movie, so please check your rage and entitlement. At least we have another Fantastic Four right. movie. Right. There's nothing bad about that. It's like, close your eyes, picture your own dang movie. But for those who are beyond that and had some appreciative things of the movie, the thing I've unanimously heard them say is that I'm now interested in reading the comics. Yeah. Which, yeah. if if that's the takeaway from this... That's a win. That is a win. That's a total that's win. That's totally a win. Because even myself, like, I've always been kind of... Not even really a casual. I, I've been, like... But when it came to Fantastic Four, I respected them and what... And, and their kind of position of the first family of Marvel. And I, I knew that there would be good... St- and I... And I... And, I know that there's probably good stories that existed with them, but I never really felt like I, n- I never really felt the need to try and seek them out. But now, after watching this movie, I want to seek them out. I want to read some good Fantastic Four stuff oh, and see what they're about. Here. You know, I for years I, you know, when I had seen those original Fantastic Four movies with like the Michael Chiklis ones that we're talking about, I did. It, it, that same feeling came to me where it was like, hey, maybe you should check them out, but I respectfully declined. I was, yeah. just, I was just like, yeah. I, I think you guys are neat and all, but I, I'm just not feeling you. I, 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 I don't have that inner desire to like check you out. I just don't see any good stories. But now, after watching this, it, it took that darker tone, and when stuff takes a darker mood, I generally like, I'm interested. It, it kind of grips me, and I'm like, maybe there is something to it. Maybe there is a better story in there somewhere yeah. that I could read and that would would give me a better idea of why people like the Fantastic Four and why they've lasted so long. Yeah, see, you you say darker. I would probably say, like, meaningful or just more poignant. or Like, this movie, this movie, like, there seems to be DC and Marvel movies seem to be trying to take a different approach, which is funny because... Their comics both their comics both hit the same approach, but I think it's, they should stay the way they are. I think Marvel should stay fun, and DC DC should. Yeah, but I mean, there's 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 fun, but there's fun and kinetic, or there's there's dark but profound, and I think that's for some yeah, people pl- one works better than the other. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, and I do think it's possible to have both. It's possible, yeah. Yeah, I would consider Guardians of the Galaxy an example of both. Not everyone on this podcast agrees with me, who I'm going to throw out there for public stoning in three, two, one. No, I never, one. I never, I, 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 I never, uh, I really liked Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, no, no, I, I respect the fact that you don't like it as much as me. I just, uh, I, 
I just would be remiss if I didn't use it as an opportunity to <laughs> poke fun and falsify some sort of rivalry for our listeners' enjoyment. Which I guess I've now just ruined by admitting that it's all false. Oh well. It's not false. It's not false. We're keeping kayfabe. If you don't understand that, uh, look it up, I guess. But, um... But yeah, this movie went for kind of a more profound take. Like, Fantastic Four is usually lighter and softer, but... But this movie... This movie instead went for something more... Uh, dramatic and profound and whether it succeeded at that or not I know that for me it at least kind of showed me how a dramatic and profound Fantastic Four story could totally work. Well it took a very strong stance on realistic science. Yes, yes. And that's something that I very much enjoyed I very much enjoyed the grounded sense of science that it put off like it made me feel like teleportation was actually somewhere within our reach and yeah. when, when a movie can like really position science in a way that makes something like that believable or nearby i i really enjoy it and it really piques my interest well yeah like i mean you look at the fantastic four and when they were originally came out we had not yet landed on the moon and so the fact that they went up in a spaceship you know, this was at the height of the space race, so that was kind of what Marvel was going for with their original origin story. Of, and at their heart, the Fantastic Four was always best from... Uh, it was basically always best as a... Or at least always seemed the most uh, provocative when they were explorers of the unknown. You know, sci- you know plumbing, uh, plumbing the depths of science and trying to make new discoveries. And... And whereas the other movies did not do that at all because they were more just wacky. They were out there. They, they, they were wacky, silly melodramas. This was, this was, uh, this was trying to cover new ground. And well, this was trying to keep both feet on the ground while staying in a comic book. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I feel the third act is where they ju- they jumped from having their feet on the ground at all and went full comic book. Up, uh, really abruptly. I just feel like they lacked, though, the action and just seeing where these powers could lead to. Yeah. You know, and realizing their full potential. I mean, even for an origin story, I felt like we deserved more than that. Well, but, I felt. But that's just. Me. I sort of felt like it. It tried to have it both ways. Like in some ways, I felt like. I almost felt like Doctor Doom could have been cut out of the movie altogether. Yeah, they didn't really need him. Yeah, and they could have left it where it was almost like... I would have rather them just fought the government. Yeah, right? yeah, the government that's trying to control them. Or or maybe not the whole government, but this section of the government that's trying to keep them under their thumb. I think that would have been a much better... Because then, then it would have forced them to do teamwork in a profound way and not just in a... Wait, we've got to figure out how to do this killer combo together. Right. You know, because we can't, like, do a combo move on the bad guy Mortal Kombat style separately. We've got to, like, work together as a team. This makes no emotional sense whatsoever, but this is obviously what the audiences want, or so the so the cynical Fox executives think, and that's what <laughs> we're going to do. I want a hard segue right from this moment into, like, what we would do better with Fantastic Four as the movie or the script altogether because you bring up some great points that I that I totally agree with is that for one 
to make the movie better, I would have kicked Doctor Doom out of it completely. Or at least I would have left him on Planet Zero and then left him for a future set of Fantastic Four movies to come see, back at some later And point. see, I would have kicked him out completely so that Sue Storm could have been part of the team right? when they went over there. To, went over there. I honestly thought she went. Like, to, like watching the trailer, I was like, oh, The trailer she, made she, it seem like she was a part of it, yeah. Yeah, I was totally faked out by that. And, yeah. I, and it really kind of ticks me off. She never... Like, the first time she went over there was when they fought Doctor Doom, so it was, like, her first yeah. time being over there, and it was just sort of weird. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that was another thing, too. Like, once they got their powers, it didn't... It kind of didn't explore the emotional fallout, and it's like, if I was Sue Storm, and I had gotten these powers because I tried to save these dumb idiots who got drunk and decided... I'd be very I'd, angry at them. Yeah, I'd be angry at them and bitter that she never showed that. It's, it's like Princess Leia just being like, yeah, oh no, my planet just... Blew up and I'm I'm cool with it. I'm not going to talk about this because this is Luke oh, Skywalker's story. Oh, and then having Reed run away and then her apologize for finding him. What the it crap? Was, it yeah, was like, like it was just okay. Honestly, I thought that things would be the other way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Sue, it just didn't make a lot of sense. Sue Storm seriously got short credit because she was it's like the most uh, mentally emotionally stable one in the whole team. Yeah, but uh, well, I mean, the. Uh, uh, even then, she was also just not given room to mentally or emotionally, in a stable way, still deal with stuff that would be destabilizing. Yeah, it's true. And the other members of the team, like, all of a sudden, they just all come together for no apparent reason. There's no it feels discussion. so artificial. It was so artificial. It was just, let's let's push the characters back together while Doctor Doom is exploding everybody's head. Yeah, like... You know, like... like Oh, running away again, Reed? Oh, whatever. That's so backhanded. And, yeah. Like, honestly, you, you, you couldn't give them a moment to talk. They all just said, okay, let's all go together over to Planet Zero. No discussion. Yeah, because it's like... Because that happens. It, it's like the old... <laughs> it's like the old... It's like an old joke. I remember another reviewer saying when they was talking about the Star Wars prequels. You know, the Plinket... Um, if you haven't seen those, you should, but... I'm not sure if I want to see it because all of it just makes me want to hurl. Yeah, (laughs) but no, this one breaks down Star Wars like really, really well and just goes into the prequels and why they suck in in smart detail. Not just, I thought this sucked, but no, here's some movie theory reasons on why it sucked, but a recurring joke with like Attack Attack of the Clones was like, um, Padme, how did you know that the Jedis are that way? And that you needed to go on the dropship to get there. How did you know that, Padme? Oh, I remember. Did you read the script? I remember hearing something about this. Yeah, and it's sort of like, this movie felt a little bit the same way. It's like, um, Fantastic Four team members, why do you suddenly feel the need to work as a team? Why? Where did that urge come from? Did you guys read the script? (laughs) Like, (laughs) is that where the urge came from? You read the script? (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's just, it just feels so awkward. But for me, I definitely would have rather have had them fight the government because it would have made things very interesting. It would have made It would have felt more natural, too, because then it's like. Because then, Cause then you know, that way they would have planned things out. They would have escaped. They would have found. Yeah, like they would. They would have been kind know. of like forced in a in a non artificial way to band together and overcome their differences. Oh, because everybody wants to fight the government. Because everybody knows the government's the bad guy, right? Right. Exactly. It makes sense. It just exactly. makes sense. And then the way they like tell the government, "Oh, you guys have to support us." Or, <laughs> or else. Really <laughs> stamped it was, no. It's so like, what if we say no? Say yes. <laughs> it's like. 
Seriously? That was the best rhetoric? I'm going to be sick. <sighs> yeah. Like, honestly, here would be my recommendation. If you're going to watch this movie. Watch the movie, and, and then uh, when they get their powers and have the accent and everything like that, go for a bathroom break. And if you come back and you're still interested in what's happening to you, sit back down. If not, walk away. But if you're still interested, when they then send a second team back into the other dimension to Planet Zero and they bring back Doctor Doom oh, and they go into... Uh, uh, right, Because you can... Right at the moment when this movie totally, completely goes off the rails, I think, is right when the corrupt scientist director guy from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou goes in to interrogate Doctor Doom and Doctor Doom says more or less no, I'm going to destroy the world. This world isn't worth it. That's the moment when everything tanks. Everything tanks. Like, for me, the best way I like to describe it is almost like imagine you're watching something like A Beautiful Mind. You know? And it's you can make arguments as to whether that's a good drama or not, but but you can tell what it's going for, right? It's going for something that's, like, emotionally true. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's going for... And imagine that when you get to the big reveal in A Beautiful Mind, all of a sudden, flat out of nowhere, the movie turns into Speed Racer. And not to say Speed Racer is not a good movie, because Speed Racer is a very fun movie, but... It's such a jarring change because before it's trying to go for something that's more emotionally honest and true, and all of a sudden it turns into <gasps> special effects and and with our powers combined and and oh. ghost and Captain ghost Planet, Captain Planet, <laughs> like it turns into Captain Planet, like oh it really does. Gosh. Oh my gosh, the Captain ending of this Planet. movie, tur- the ending it's of this Captain movie Planet. is Captain Planet. <laughs> Maybe we should we should like re-record the last part of that movie and we'll just dub over their voices and like put it together so that they all say with our powers combined we form Captain Planet. Wait, wait. So Captain Planet has kind of like that almost metalish type skin, right? Does that mean that Doctor Doom was Captain Planet and the and the kids had to destroy him? With our powers combined, we'll defeat Captain Planet. Yes. You know what? Actually, the last the Rise of the Silver Surfer totally turned into that. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic Four totally is just a few steps away from Captain Planet. And if you didn't notice, it was like the last 30 minutes of Fantastic Four were pieces co-opted from other Marvel movies. Oh my gosh, yeah. It was, it was cookie cutter. It that, was cookie cutter. Yeah, that, that was the annoying thing is like, that once it went full-blown superhero movie, it was like the most generic superhero movie in the world. It's they like, stole the whole... like. Avengers Assemble part from Avengers 2 from Old Age of Ultron they cut that out basically and said let's call us the you know and they didn't say Fantastic Four yeah and they just ended it right there and I was like you gotta be kidding me Couple that was of, exactly the end that of, was the, Age of, of Ultron. Oh, Age of Ultron Avengers like, and then cut <laughs> that was the most pathetic attempt at you know closing out a movie I've ever seen yeah. because you took it from Age of Ultron which yeah isn't even in your your franchise or yeah. whatever. And not to mention that Doctor Doom, once again, is tr- like every other supervillain is trying to destroy the whole world with some generic doomsday scenario. Oh, it was it was funny because you can actually look at this movie, and if you time it just right, 
and t and tie it up with Age of Ultron, all the events are the same. Yeah. You know why? Because Doctor Doom is made of metal, and who else is made of metal? Ultron's made of metal, and you know what he what Ultron wants to do? He wants to destroy the world. What does Doctor Doom want to destroy our world? What happens when Ultron you know messes around with the world? The world starts flying. What happens when when Doctor Doom starts messing with the world? That starts flying. Oh my god! Dimension. Everything flying into another dimension actually reminded me oh. of Spaceballs. Oh, that is true. That that, that is very Spaceballs. <laughs> it's like I, it's like as everything's like flying up into the portal, like into, into the vortex of Planet X. I couldn't help but just be like, suck, suck, <laughs> suck, <laughs> suck. It's <That is> classic. <laughs> There, I can't wait for the riff tracks of this movie. Oh, this, it'll, it'll be almost as good as Dragon Wars. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which, it totally, I realize now it totally sounds like we're backpedaling. It's like, this movie's not that bad, this movie's not that bad. No, for the next several minutes. We're actually, it's pretty, it. it's pretty funny. <laughs> if I were to watch it right now, I might laugh really, really hard. Yeah, but it's like, the first hour of the movie is legitimately good, but that last half of the movie goes so off the rails that it kind of it, it's kind of hard it kind of makes you wonder how you even feel about the whole thing once you're done with it you know because oh, I yeah. was that first hour I was so into it I I was totally feeling I was like maybe they're wrong yeah maybe people are wrong you know maybe I won't feel abused after I watch this movie it's like some you know, deranged and you know, then, wife with and an then abusive said, husband that's like, oh, he'll treat me right this time. I, I think it's okay. And, and then, then it's bam! Said, and then one year later. And, and you're like, you get, wait, what? Bitch slapped. That's right. He get, he get bitch slapped by freaking... By a movie. By, by a the thing's rocky movie. fist. With no pants on. The, yeah, thing with what no was pants. up with Thing having no pants on? That was That was weird. He had no, he had no man parts because they're all. That was stone. also weird. That was yeah. see. There's always that ambiguous rock ball that hadn't dropped yet. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell they're there because they hadn't dropped yet. You know, he's not to the. He, he hasn't reached rock puberty yet. <laughs> he hasn't gotten there yet. So, so in that case, when he reaches rock puberty, is he going to start getting like evergreen brush in his armpits and around and on yes. his face? And it'll be more like. Uh, well, like like mean Actually, it's more like coral. Oh, coral? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, I can see that. Coral. Yeah, it'd be like coral. <laughs> I have no Anyone idea. Anyone listening, is, uh, we need fan art of this. Please, stats. somebody, deviant art, please do it. That, yeah, coral. Wow. Coral underbrush for arm <laughs> hair. Now there, there totally needs to be some sort of documentary on thing puberty. Yes, oh. thing puberty. It's I, like, so you're a rock monster who's you know about to go the, through puberty. The only person that can help him understand this is a therapist by the name of Swamp Thing. You know, yes, he's the only true. one that can understand him. He's like, why don't you sit down while I, you know, I smoke my uh, my pipe made of you know weeds and and all this other stuff. And Wait, so Swamp Thing's your... a cannibal? Is that what you just said? Oh no, I'm, I'm just saying. You know, <laughs> I, I'm sure he has a nice little pipe made out of uh, out of you know underbrush and 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 wood. Something, <laughs> some very nice snake wood or whatever. <laughs> I don't know, okay. but I can only imagine thing just like laying down on one of those chaise lounges while while Swamp Thing is there, just like, hmm, you know, scratching his 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 tree beard. <laughs> All right, now you're making me picture him with like one of those like silk bathrobes. Scott, I am I am commissioning you to do 
an entire comic book about this. Okay, I will do it with my crappy, crappy skills and art. And if you people, if you're listening and you subscribe to our podcast, you will get exclusive artwork and comic book content from Scott, where Thing is getting therapy sessions about his rock puberty (laughs) by Swamp Thing. (laughs) It'll be epic. It'll be like, it'll be like Batman v Superman, but like in nature form <laughs> i don't know it's bambi-ish <laughs> disclaimer any promises made by steven in this podcast may or may not necessarily come true anyway so Sadly, back to our yes. po- yeah but yes what i would do um i think i would i would definitely start out I, I i would keep dr doom in it the way he did start out but after they lose him in planet zero i would just leave him out completely and i would turn it on the on the kids from that point, like the government is pissed off yeah. at them. The government is upset that they they ruined this opportunity, and I would put it back on them. Like this was America's opportunity to yeah. go to another dimension, and you ruined it, and you made a fool of everybody, and you ruined stuff. So we're gonna just quarantine you forever, yeah. and then they're like, no, we we have important things to do, and because the thing is, is not every not every. Um Every superhero story has to be this large, has to be this larger than life, freaking um, doomsday scenario. And quit using Doctor Doom. Yeah, like, there are plenty of other things you can do. You know, actually, you know what I thought the first half of this movie. You know what it made me think of actually, Unbreakable. Oh, did it? Yeah. Well, really? I, at least in terms of how grounded it was and how like yeah. you kind of believed the idea of this sort of. Of this superhero story. And that was one where it's like, Unbreakable was a superhero movie without, oh no, New York is being attacked by an alien army sort of thing. Like, it was it was on much smaller terms. And so if I was to alter my analogy I used earlier, instead of being like a beautiful mind turning into Speed Racer, it was more like, it was more like Unbreakable suddenly turning into Captain Planet. Gosh, I want to see Captain Planet in that movie so bad right now. <laughs> I just have to see it. I just have to, like... I'm going to take a Captain Planet TV show clip, and I'm just going to edit it in there somehow. Yeah. And be like, Fantastic Four against Captain Planet. It could happen. Yeah, I would agree. Believe me, I would, I would watch that. Yeah, I, I would watch the crap out of that. Especially that was... if Don Cheadle reprised his role as Captain Planet. Yes, he could do it. You know what else? Did you ever watch those Funny or Die clips? No, I, I didn't. I have to. I They're funny. To. You need to. I, the power of Christ compels you. Uh, that compels me. I am. I've been compelled. I must. I must do so, and I shall. But yeah, I. I. Oh man, I. I would see that movie if it was directed by Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, to watch another, yeah. it's like another UHF. It's like UHF times two. <laughs> Just anything, and oh then Michael, Michael Richards has to reprise the role as Doctor Doom. <laughs> Uh, it could it could totally I, I, work. I would watch that. I would watch that. Just as long as Doctor Doom doesn't spouse any racist bullcrap, I would I would watch that. You can't take his mop away from him though. He has to have the mop. No, he's got to have the mop. If the he mop. doesn't have the mop, I'm not watching it. That's right. I ain't watching it. <laughs> not gonna do it. Nope. 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 Anyway, I don't know about you. But I think that kind of exhausts all my thoughts on the movie. <laughs> I, I just think they could have done so much better, and the fact that they're giving it another chance. Um, like it's already been slated to they're already slated to do another movie and fans are protesting it saying that you know 20th Century Fox should give their rights back to Marvel but 
Um, I honestly think they could they could do it. Um, they could do a better one. I think they'll learn from their mistakes. I mean, hopefully, I, a lot of people do. And I honestly don't. Can do. I honestly don't believe for a second they're really going to make a sequel. To me, it seems like PR. Like a PR move or something, but well, it could be to yeah. see if it gets traction. Yeah. But the the one part though, when it comes to, because again, I do feel like a lot of fans are acting spoiled and entitled. Like you owe us a good Fantastic More four movie, and even though you're a business who's out to make money, you owe us enough to just like set that goal aside and give the rights back to Marvel so that we can have our Fantastic Four movie. It's like, fans, shut up. This kids, is the real world. Yeah, Grow kids, up. Kids, this is not the way the that's, world that's, works. It's sad. I would I would love it if that miraculously somehow happened, but let's... Miraculous let's, is the word. It would be a miracle. Here. But... The one thing that does make me wish Marvel had the rights is actually less to do with the Fantastic Four as a team themselves, and just, I want Marvel, I wish Marvel could just be able to play with Silver Surfer, and Galactus, and Doctor Doom, and the Skrulls, and, gosh, Mole Man, like like all of the other people that Marvel that Fox is never ever gonna use because they're embarrassed by the comic book ne- comic bookiness of it. Just give that stuff to Marvel. Maybe they maybe that's a deal they can cut. It's like all right, fine, we'll give you rights to use all these other characters, but we'll we'll just let us use the core team of Fantastic Four. And I think if that was the happy medium that got struck, hallelujah. Because they're going cosmic, and there's no Silver Surfer or Galactus, and that pains me to my obviously very entitled heart, because I feel the world owes me. That's hypocrite. You know, we all feel like we're entitled to something from the comic book universe, and, you know, I'm no different. I feel like I, I, I really wanted to see Marvel take back the rights to all of their properties and if I had a time machine I'd go back to when Marvel was about to go bankrupt and they gave the rights out to this stuff and I would I know this sounds selfish but I would love to see what Marvel could have done with all of their properties as Marvel Entertainment Studios just because I feel like Marvel Entertainment does it right every and see, time I think if you did that Marvel but, wouldn't have become as successful as they were because Marvel saw the other people try and do their movies and then do it wrong and go Okay, you know what? We need to show people how it's done, and they've and they've definitely done that. And I'm not saying that they're they're not doing great or anything, and they're 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 pretty much perfect the way they are now. But, um, you know, there are some things I think they should have back and be doing. But anyway, you know, entitlement issues, daddy issues, mom issues, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Stan Lee didn't love me enough. Yeah, Stanley didn't come to my birthday party, so I'm I'm pissed off. He was do he was too busy uh, co-creating excellent characters. The jerk. Yeah, how yeah. dare he? Yeah, yeah, and the worst part is he too is that is that I wasn't even born when he did it, but he still didn't come to my birthday party. Yeah, he should have been there when I was born. What a jerk! I know, right? Uh, even though he's not even my dad. He's not even my dad. He can show up in every single Marvel movie. He can't show up to my birthday party. I know. Dare that's, he? That's ridiculous. That's <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> but at any rate, um, yeah, that it, it's worth maybe watching once, or like you did, you could do what Scott says, and I'm gonna I edit it a little bit here. But you could leave 
and take a nice potty break or go eat a sandwich right when they get their powers and it goes to one year later, just leave. Just leave for about 25 minutes and watch maybe the last five minutes of the movie and you'd probably be set and you probably wouldn't, you wouldn't be unhappy. Because when I watched everything, I was unhappy. Yeah, yeah. But if you if you cut out most of that, you won't be unhappy because you you won't know what's in between, and you'll be like, oh, you'll, okay, you, you'll fill it in. Like you'll you'll, you'll fill what it in with you your come imagination. Up with will be better the, than the, what they came up exactly. with. Exactly. Use your imagination. Your imagination is power. Imagination th- is power. Remember yeah. that. Yeah. Remember that. Don't forget. I think. It. I think one last thing I want to think of is uh, I want to do to sign off, if you don't mind, is is try and name. I don't know, maybe three movies that are actually worse than this Fantastic Four movie. Just so we could set the record straight. Um, there's plenty to go around, I'm sure. Well, can we do five then? Like five apiece? Um, worse, worse than this. And, okay, I'm going to start out, I'm going to do one and then you can say one and then we'll just go around. Until we... Until we're done. Mm-hmm. And then, um... And this is if I if I say something that offends anybody, I, you know what? I'm not sorry. I'm just gonna say what I don't like, and you can just deal with it. <laughs> chances are, it might be the chances are, it might be the audience avatar, and be like, "Whoa, you said what?" So you already just mentioned one. Um, first off, um, it may not be based completely on a comic book or anything like that, but I did not like watching the Toxic Avenger. Wow. That was yeah okay. I I was Toxic Avenger is worse than this one. I was unhappy with it. Very very dissatisfied. So that's one. Okay, all right. I think that one was like intentionally meant to be bad, but it succeeded at being bad. So fair point. It was bad enough that yeah. it was worse than it was bad. Okay, uh, <laughs> another movie that uh, another comic book superhero movie that was definitely worse than this one. Uh, Batman and Robin. That's a gimme, but yeah. Hmm. On board with you there. Superman Returns, for me, actually. I'm actually going to have to agree with you. I Well, this one might be on par with Superman Returns. It I, feel, just... I feel bad for Brandon Routh on this one, because Brandon Routh is an exceptional actor, and this movie did not let him live up to his full potential, nope. or give Superman his due nope. justice. Nope. In fact, actually, I would say this Fantastic Four movie is only as bad as Superman Returns, and not worse. Yeah, I'll put them on the same level, I guess. Yeah, but uh, let's see. Another movie that's easily worse is Electra. That movie sucked. <laughs> I will, I will see your Electra and raise you a Daredevil. I will put it on the same level as Daredevil. Uh, uh I, I think this is slightly better than Daredevil, actually. Slightly better, slightly better, but yeah, I, I can, yeah, I, I'll let maybe it as good as the director's cut of Daredevil. <laughs> the director's cut, yeah. the, it's even there. The director's cut. Okay, all right, and then um, <laughs> this movie's a million times better than Catwoman. That ev- everyone always go jumps to Batman and Robin as worst superhero movie ever made, and I would contend that no, Catwoman is the worst superhero movie ever made. Period! Exclamation point! Hashtag. Definitely. And star symbol. And star symbol. <laughs> oh, and that and that squiggly and symbol. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just a couple of curse words Maybe, for good measure. Yeah, just throw a few of those in there. Seriously, that movie is so bad. <laughs> oh, comic book superhero movies, awful. Um, 
man, I'm starting to draw blanks here because there's, there, are, I'm easily entertained. You, you know, I'm, you have I'm low so, standards. I'm, I'm such an I'm an ADD you, kid. You, you'd I give really up your am. you'd give up your virginity to any comic book movie that comes calling. You hussy. I'm I'm easy. You I'm, man I'm really whore. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm easily entertained, and it's it's so sad because it's like people will go into a movie with me and I'll come out and say hey that was that was pretty good and they're like are you kidding that was crap what are you talking so about so what you're saying is that you know you had no choice but to take X-Men 3 to your prom and you totally gave it up you know what X-Men 3 was was a folly and that'll I'll, I'll let that go as my my next one I'll, let, I'll have to say X-Men 3 was pretty bad yeah X-Men 3 is easily worse than this one yeah definitely worse yeah, than this yeah yeah um Let's see, another bad comic book movie. Uh, Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man 3 is worse than this. Oh, I got it. Okay. Hulk in the earlier 2000s. Oh, Ang Lee's Hulk. This is so... Yeah, that was so much worse than this. So much worse. Although it's funny, some of the same mistakes that movie made, this one made too, but that movie had the freaking comic book editing crap. Eric Bana... Eric Bana's Hulk ruined Hulk. Like, uh, yeah. Until Mark Ruffalo and Edward Norton came into the picture. I wanted to punch him in the face during that monologue that he was giving him. Just like, shut up and give me a real, give me a real Bruce Banner. You're not him. (laughs) Yeah, easily worse than this Fantastic Four. So, folks, this Fantastic Four was bad. But there are plenty of other things that are worse. Yeah. Don't get us wrong. It was. It wasn't great. And it, but it had some great stuff to it. It just it just took a bad turn, and it you know wrong side of the highway, man. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. You got any other ones? Got no, I think that's about. I'm sure there's other ones we'll think of, like when we go to bed tonight. But I I feel like balance is restored because it's just it's annoying me how many people are trying to make this movie out to be worse than it is, and I think. Yeah, I think this puts it into perspective. It is not as bad as the other movies we have mentioned. Oh, Spawn. Oh. Spawn. Sorry, I blacked that one out because... <sighs> it broke my heart, really. That That one does break my heart. Because like, I loved Spawn. I loved Spawn. See, I thought it was so well, cool. And see, then it ruined it. It ruined it. If bad superhero movies are like deaths, Spawn was like the puppy that I had to shoot in the head because it had rabies or something. Like, in terms of Dude, how much that... Why did you say that? That's because so that's how much that movie hurt me. Gosh. Spawn hurt me so much. That that comic would have been such a cool movie, and that movie was so, so much. bad. Could have done so much. Yeah. And just... They took that movie, and they took a crap on it. They the, really did. And then they gave it... And then they gave that crap, like, rabies or... AIDS or something in the botulism. They, botulism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big load of botulism. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Spawn so was worse. sad. Oh, and so oh, some sad. other movies I would say were worse too was uh, Roger Corman's Fantastic Four and uh, Fantastic Four with um, with the other guys and oh, Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. I'd say those were worse than this one. This was... There are also a few Iron Man animated movies that are pretty crappy. Yeah, the, the, those hardly count, but they suck. Yeah. In fact, you know what? Okay, maybe Iron Man 2 is still a little bit better than this movie. 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't see because Whiplash as being a great villain, and uh, the, the whole story was kind of like botched from the get-go. It, but it was bland, but it was still competently made. It was and that, still an Iron Man movie. And I think that's the big... I think that's the that's problem, is that with Fantastic Four, with or Fant-Fortastic, as the titles make it look like, there's the ending makes it the whole thing feel almost like it's incompetently made. Actually, I'm going to I'm not going to call it Fantastic Four anymore. I'm going to call it Fantastic Flop. <laughs> That's so it's that Fantastic makes me cry. Flop. That, that that makes me cry. Anyway, how many false endings have we given to this podcast? I think we're Oh, and, you know, several. Several. Yeah. But yes, there are plenty of movies worse than this, but it does have its finer points that make it at least watchable. Until you get Until, to a certain point. Up to a point. I should just like send out a mass memo to like the universe and just say, if you're watching this movie, stop watching at this, you know, time marker and just leave the room and everything will return to normal. Yeah. It's like you can't watch that the, the videotape, it's like the ring, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you can't yeah. watch this if you watch this videotape, you're not you, you have this yeah. long to live, so it, don't watch it. <laughs> it would have to kind of be like a range. It's like, okay. Leave here. But if you don't leave here, the last moment... The point like, of no return. The point of no return is here. Within this range is your is Your, your funeral. Yeah, anything after that is your, your funeral. funeral. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. But uh, we'd like to just thank all those who are listening out there. And like to, uh, hey, just check us out on iTunes. We've got a great iTunes um, channel. We've got, we're on YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, see our Facebook page. Comment on us. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts. And um, yeah, catch us next time. And, yeah, see ya.